you know, the, the interesting thing is, uh, Walter, before we get back to some of the other things that are in, uh, now, what, what is the actual title of this new edition? This I'm, I'm calling edition? it an Operation Mind Control, uh, Control Revised and Expanded Edition, and um, I have a subtitle, which I... Um, let me see here. I can find it somewhere. I haven't looked at it since a long time. It's about the... How the cryptocracy wants to psycho-civilize you. Uh, and this, uh, this is an expanded researchers edition of Operation Mind Control. Yeah, this is a limited edition to 500 copies. And I'm hoping that the people... It's expensive. And I'm hoping that the people that buy it will, will be the serious people and they will want to give me feedback and, and criticize and add to. and Because we have so much information and we have so much anecdotal information and that's what we're after because we're trying to piece together all the parts of this puzzle with the codes cues and triggers intact so that we can then begin to do some real work and turn it over to the people that that do this that do the therapy uh, as a matter of fact uh, we've even gone one step further and and we've gotten people that were that are defectors from the intelligence the pro programmers and they're working now for the first time in our history with uh, the psychotherapist and psychologist uh, who are learning how to deprogram because without the codes, cues, and triggers, it takes forever. And with the codes, cues, and triggers, you can do it in no time at all without even dealing with any of the content and without a lot of ab reaction. I mean, the thing you don't want to do is to take a human being and put them through the terror all over again, you know? Uh, you were talking about uh, some of the people that have been involved on behalf of the intelligence community, in effect, rolling over or crossing lines and yeah. working to do some deep programming. This uh, brings me, Walter, to something that I was very gratified to see and that I think members of the listening audience uh, will be gratified to know about. Uh, as a talk show host for, well, I'm in my 16th year on the air, and as someone that has had a fair amount of discussion of mind control on the air and that I've done obviously a series of archive shows featuring among other works uh, Operation Mind Control Part 1 very prominently. I've had a lot of calls over the years from people who either know someone mm -hmm. that they feel is under mind control mm -hmm. or people themselves who feel they're under mind control yeah. basically and, and this has been a very uh, anguishing experience for, for yours truly. They asked me, you know, what can I do? You know, what kind of help can you give yeah. me? And uh, beyond recommending some reading material and, and, and right. a, a, a few rudimentary tiny baby steps they could take towards some kind of therapy, it's left me completely helpless. Yeah. Uh, in 200 years of synthetic telepathy. Although our modern electronic age has been in existence only for 100 years, individuals have been claiming in a relatively scientific way that their minds were being remotely influenced and controlled by machines for at least 200 years. The medical profession and the public have classified people reporting such experiences as delusional, to put it kindly. The most common diagnosis has been what is now termed paranoid schizophrenia, or what they were formerly called as dementia paranoia. Many of the specific effects and experiences these people have described can now be replicated by technology which can produce exactly the same effects. 
Can reports of these experiences before the electronic age be dismissed as simply the result of delusions? Can all reports of these experiences in the present be dismissed as delusional when there is a documentation proving the existence of technologies which can produce the exact same effects? Michael Coyle, editor of MindNet Journal, uncovered what may be the first modern recorded case of mind control in medical literature. It is the case of the one James Tilly Matthews, a London tea broker who claimed his mind had been controlled by a gang operating a machine he called an heirloom, which he was hidden in a London cellar. The device, obviously described in terms of the latest scientific wonder, pneumatic weaving machine, was supposed to have sent out invisible magnetic rays that would affect human thought, or at least Matthews' thoughts. Matthews believes machines like the heirloom were also controlling the minds of members of the British Parliament. He wrote letters to its members warning them about the machines and the conspiracy behind them. Matthews was committed to Bethlehem Hospital as being insane. His case was published in 1810. It might be easy to dismiss Matthews' claims of a machine that can control one's mind as a result of delusional caused by a mental illness because of the early date. However, we shall see that this is by no means an isolated case. In 1994, Ronald K. Siegel, Associate Research Professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at UCLA wrote, Whispers the Voices of Paranoia. Dr. Siegel, an expert on hallucinations, edited a book on this subject in 1975 with the Dr. Late Lewis J. West of MKUltra, the only man to ever kill an elephant with LSD. As you have read earlier in this book, and as Mike Coyle pointed out in his MindNet article on Matthews, MKUltra, as well as projects Bluebird, Artichoke, Chatter, Castigate, MK Delta, MK Naomi, Third Chance, MK Search, MK Often, and many others were covert CIA projects involving many prominent individuals and institutions. It is hard to find a medical or scientific organization that wasn't investigating and experimenting with various forms of behavior modification and control using, in many cases, unwitting human subjects on behalf of the cryptocracy, either wittingly or unwittingly. As we have shown, the cryptocrats directed operations from the late 1940s until the early 1970s in which they delved into everything from drugs and hypnosis to electronics. Mike Coyle wrote, Whispers is a collection of case histories of paranoia that Siegel had studied. One of these cases was a man named Tolman who believed his mind was being controlled by computer via satellite system named POSSE, P-O-S-S-E, Personal Orbiting Satellite for Surveillance and Enforcement. Siegel implied that claims like this were similar to those James Tilly Matthews' case. And indeed they are. But it is clear that Siegel is trying to dismiss Tolman's claims by implying that similar reports existed two centuries before this technology could even have existed. Interestingly, author Dorothy Burdick, in her 1982 book, Such Things Are Known, described what she claimed was her mind control harassment by computers via satellites. She named Siegel as being the inventor 
of a device named Focus, flexible optical control unit simulator, which can project hallucinations directly onto the retina so that the subjects can't distinguish the images from reality. In Siegel's book, Tolman claims that images are being directly transmitted into his brain, Siegel says. You mean to tell me that here are machines capable of sending visual images directly into the brain? Burdick has been unwilling to diverge her source for focus information, and a search by this author turned up nothing specifically on focus. However, in 1968, Siegel published a professionally paper titled A Device for Chronically Controlled Visual Input, which is a description of a device he developed to project images directly into the brain of experimental animals via optic nerve. He suggests further experimentation be conducted on neonates, kittens, which have their total visual stimulation controlled from the time they open their eyes. The implications that Siegel presents concerning James Tilly Matthews must be examined. In 1988, Arthur Roy Porter presented a much more thorough and lightning re-examination of Matthews' case and its startling connections to one of the great events in history, the French Revolution. He also found connections to one of the most curious and least understood developments of the same period, the discovery of what we now call hypnotism, then called animal magnetism, by one of its first proponents, Franz Anton Mesmer. Contrary to Siegel's implications, James Tilly Matthews was not just a London architect who happened to fall prey to a mental illness that was identified for the first time in published medical literature, titled Illustrations of Madness. It was written by John Haslam, an apatherist, head shrink in today's terms, who was in charge of Bethlehem Hospital, where Matthews was incarcerated. The work also contained Matthews' drawings of the heirloom. Coyle writes, Actually, employed as a tea broker in the early 1790s, Matthews has developed extensive contacts with David Williams, who was associated with Guron leaders LeBron and Brissett. During 1792, Matthews traveled between England and France carrying peace overture to the British government in the hope of preventing a British declaration of war. He was arrested by the French in 1793 after the Jacobins came to power because he was suspected of being a double agent. Held until 1796, and by his own account probably tortured, the authorities finally released him after determining that he was a dangerous lunatic. The Jacobin Club was a radical political club that played a controlling part in the French Revolution and was founded by prominent Freemasons. Jacobins were successful in advancing their radical cause over the more moderate Guridans and responsible for sending thousands of their opponents to death on the guillotine. Michael Ramsey, a Scottish mystic who founded Knights Templar Freemasonry, created the Scottish degrees of Freemasonry with his Jacobite cronies while in France where he was tutoring the exiled sons of King James II during the 1700s. Almost immediately, on his return to England, Matthews began writing letters to various members of Parliament excusing them of being involved in a plot to overthrow the British monarchy, which he claimed was connected to the name of Jacobin forces that had overthrown the French monarchy. You and your fellow laborers in antiquity caused the insurrection in Paris on the 31st 
of May 1993, reads part of his letter to Lord Liverpool. Matthews was committed in 1797 to Bethlehem after accusing the ministry of traitorous venality from the gallery of the House of Commons. Matthews insisted that the treasonous villains in this conspiracy were employing gangs of experts in the use of magnetism, i.e. Mesmer's animal magnetism, to torture him, influence the minds of English authorities, and to spy using the heirloom. He claimed that the French had been using mesmeric methods for military purposes to cause the surrounding to the French early secret of the British government. Matthews was claiming that the French were experimenting with hypnotism just as CIA eventually would almost two centuries later during MKUltra experiments for basically the same purpose. Many political ideologies of the time, Edmund Burke, John Robinson, and the Abbey Burrell supported Matthews' contention that the French Revolution was the result of a conspiracy ultimately aimed at subverting European civilization and its political structure. However, the most radical elements of this revolution of 1793 were quite explicit about their desire to export the anti-monarchist Republican ideals for the rest of the world. Many Frenchmen believed that the repressed masses in England and elsewhere were only waiting for a signal from Paris to throw off their oppressors and establish international fraternity. The practices of Franz Mesmer, an 18th century physician, became fashionable in Paris during the 1700s. Mesmer was able to affect medical cures by the use of a device he called a baguette, which he claimed was the source of curative magnetic fluid or current and a trance state he named animal magnetism. The baguette was actually a large tub of water that contained iron fillings. The mesmerists of this era had recently become interested in the use of psychic powers. Quote, the sympathetic projection of thought and ideas at a distance. End quote. We shall see how this idea fit perfectly with Matthew's claims of mind control. It is a historical fact that in 1784, the French government under Louis XV ordered a commission headed by Benjamin Franklin to make a scientific investigation of Mesmer's claims. Franklin, who had been a Freemason since at least 1731, and a company came to the conclusion that it was not the baquette that was responsible for the effective cures attributed to mesmerism, but rather it was what we now call the hypnotic trance state, i.e. suggestion. In fact, Mesmer himself, unlike some of his dissenting followers, considered animal magnetism to be a dangerous and unwanted overlord of the effects of the baquette. Mike Coyle writes, quote, as early as 1784, the French government was aware that the hypnotic trance was a scientific reality and that it could be used to affect the mind. At least one author has speculated that a student of Mesmer's, Dr. Charles Deslin, physician to Count Dertour, the king's youngest brother, was destined to become Charles of France, was possibly one of the illuminated, i.e. member of Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati. Adam Weishaupt, ex-Jesuit priest, founded the Illuminati in 1779 in the Strict Observance Lodge of Freemasonry of Munich, Germany. Significantly, it was Deslan who differentiated his mentor 
and that he believed, as did the Franklin Commission, that it was the hypnotic trance which caused the cures by the power of suggestion. A number of authorities and authors have traced the origins of the French Revolution, as well as the European revolutions throughout the 19th century to Weishaupt's revolutionary education, i.e. his desire to create a subversive secret society gafted into Freemasonry to topple the existing political and religious order of the time. It has been speculated that many of the Jacobin leaders were backed up by the Illuminati. It could be the most significant that Mesmer was conveniently out of town when Franklin's commission made the final report on his new science. Since both Franklin and Mesmer and Weishaupt were Freemasons, none could publicly criticize the other. Franklin used a student of Mesmer's, a Scot, who was not a Freemason, as the scapegoat for Mesmer's dubious science. Also, a Mason was Mesmer's godchild, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, who most likely had his already prodigious musical prodigy enhanced by Mesmer's hypnosis. Some of Mozart's Masonic music, written like most of his music, in an apparent trance, was without peer in all history. The idea of projecting thoughts and ideas at a distance finds its parallels in James Matthew's descriptions of his torment listed here by John Haslam, then in charge of Bethlehem Hospital. Quote, The heirloom machine which assails Matthews works on a variety of fuels of a disgusting nature, including alufium from dogs, stinking human breath, putrid effluvia, stench of a cesspool, and so forth. Its rays assault both the body and mind, producing a list of calamities hitherto unheard of and for which no remedy has yet been discovered. These include fluid locking, which renders Matthew speechless, cutting soul from sense, which causes his feeling to be severed from his thoughts, stone making, which creates bladder stones, thigh talking, which produces an auditory distution of one's ear being in one's thigh, kiting, or the capacity to hijack the brain and to implant thoughts in it beyond the control and resistance of the sufferer, sudden death squeezing, lobster cracking, which involved the deployment of a magnetic field to stop the circulation and impede the vital motions, stomach skinning, which removes the skin from the belly, apoplexy working with the nutmeg grater, which violently forces fluids into the head, often with lethal effects, lengthening the brain, or in other words, forcible thought distortion, which can cause good sense to appear as insanity and covert truth to be libel, thought-making, which is the extraction by suction of one train of thought and its replacement with another." End quote. Matthews produced key diagrams of the heirloom showing the different levers of the brain and about the various tortures producing modulations of the magnetic waves and the members of the gang which operated it. Although his family and many members of the community testified that he was a threat to no one, Matthews eventually died in 1815 while still an inmate at Bethlehem. One explanation of Matthews' claims could be that the torture he suffered while in prison caused a dissociative state that led to psychopathy. The medical profession, the CIA, as well as many others throughout history have discovered that torture, i.e. trauma, can cause a victim to enter in a dissociative state. Coyle wrote, quote, Disassociation 
defined as a psychophysiological process whereby information incoming, stored, or outgoing is actively deflected from integration with its usual or unexpected associations is the underlying mechanism for hypnosis. The hypnotic trance represents the best example of an artificially induced dissociative state, and the hypnotic trance renders the subject highly receptive to suggestion. Was Matthews simply insane, or was there more actual connection to a form of mind control from an exterior source? This is a very question being faced today by many who are being presented with claims by people who insist that there are victims of manipulation by high-technology mind control devices. And just as almost 200 years ago, the factors of psychology, hypnosis, technology, and political conspiracies were intertwined, so today the same conundrum arises. How can these alleged victims prove that their cases are not simply the result of delusions? We shall see that, unlike Matthews, today's victims can point to a wealth of documentation proving that government agencies and research centers have been developing technologies and methods with the same capabilities that people have been describing for two centuries. And that, lo and behold, these technologies involve elements of psychology, hypnosis, political conspiracies, and even devices that emit rays to control behavior of others without their knowledge or consent. Sound familiar? In 1967, Herman Kahn, leader of a think tank called the Hudson Institute, wrote a book entitled The Year 2000. In it, he wrote the following. Drugs and other behavior controls may be available by the year 2000 to produce personality changes at will, to reward activities by hormonal flows, perhaps by remote control, in ways that overcome rationale or egoistic superego objection to continuation of the activity and to punish other activities. Alternative techniques include radio waves, ultrasonic impulses that cause uneasiness, induced hallucinations, and various forms of educative devices operating from infancy. These may be so effective that continuous control techniques would be superfluous, although available for obdurate cases. Much of this may even be available or imposed under the rubric of mental hygiene. As Walter Cronkite might say, and so it goes. <laughs>